This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Friday Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Got an interesting one for you. Doug Lane, Reese, Mary Kay Cabot, Dan Lobby, Ashley Bastock, Scott Patsko. Listen, there's a game this weekend, but the stakes are not very high. We don't even know who's playing. Normally, this is where we do a preview of the game. Watch it. Go to it. Have a good time. Have a cold beverage. Sit around with your friends and family. But I don't know. There's a lot of football to talk about. So we're not really going to do much of that. We are going to talk about what's going on with the Browns. And this is not what anybody plans. But sometimes in the process of covering a team, stuff happens. And Baker Mayfield did quote tweet a Mary Kay Cabot story today and say, well, we probably should read it. If someone could look it up and read it, we'll do that because there's no reason to be paraphrasing here. But we're just going to talk about sort of the context of covering this team, covering this quarterback. Um, what's it like reporting on things like this on a year-long basis? I'm not going to talk much because I'm terrible at it. The people who are much better at it, let headline by Mary Kay Cabot, will lead the way here. So listen, we're so not I've, asking I've, you. I've got the tweet go ahead. too. Sorry. Um, Dan, go ahead so- and read that. Uh, Mary Kay's tweet was her column that she put up on what is today? Today's Thursday. The column she put up on Wednesday and the headline is, or the tweet is Brown's Baker Mayfield must resolve his differences with Kevin Stefanski soon in case they need to coexist next season. Also some names that will be on the radar if they don't. And then the link to the column. So Baker Mayfield on Thursday quote tweeted Mary Kay's tweet and said, clickbait. You and many other Cleveland local media continue to be drama-stirring reporters with no sources or facts. Don't put words in my mouth so you can put food on your table. I'm not your puppet. Okay, so players get mad about stuff. That happens part of the time. We're not really, you know, we're not going to, sometimes we joke about, oh, this is the Feel the Emotions podcast. This is an emotions podcast. It's a process podcast. So Mary Kay, why don't we start with sort of the process of how you go about reporting something year-long, career-long about something like this that leads you to the column that you wrote that does cite sources, that does uh, reveal some behind-the-scene thing about the Baker Mayfield-Kevin Stefanski relationship. Just what's what's the process of you sort of talking to people year-round about what's going on with this team? Well, I have been talking to uh, people kind of all season long as the season began to unravel. You know, you start to work the phones, you start to make phone calls, uh, you talk to, you know, your sources as best as you can, and you just try to put the pieces together of, of what's going on. And um, and it, it can be very difficult, but uh, I would say starting maybe in October, 
it started to come to my attention that Baker Mayfield really wasn't overly happy with the way he was being used with, you know, with the play calling, you know, uses of usage of personnel and whatnot. And, you know, I just kept talking to, uh, you know, the next person and the next person. And it's uh, one of the, the things that I always try to do in reporting is uh, turn over the next stone and then the next stone and the next stone and just, you know, kind of keep working it as best you possibly can. So the narrative started to come together that something was off with Baker Mayfield. And I sort of watched it as it went through the season to see, you know, how, what his demeanor was like and what his uh, personality was like, what his body language was like. And I think one of the first times that we could really see that something was amiss uh, was after the Detroit Lions game, when he just stalked off the field and he did not speak and he did not do his, his post-game press conference. So, you know, even after that, I just kept, you know, kind of tr trying to talk to people and find out what was going on. And uh, what kept coming back to me was he's, he's not happy with the play call. And that's basically it in its most simplest form. He doesn't necessarily feel like Kevin Stefanski, according to sources, has put him in the pe best position this season to succeed. Okay. So that's basically the crux of the issue. Uh, now, it became less of a mystery when Baker himself came out after two games in recent weeks and publicly questioned, shall we say, we could even maybe say criticized. I would say criticized after, for sure, after the Steelers game, maybe questioned after the Ravens game. So after the Ravens game, he comes out and says, we got too conservative. You know, they won the game, but the Ravens came back in the second half, as we all recall. And he said, you know, we got too conservative. And I thought that that was the first little sign that, you know, the cat was starting to come out of the bag. Baker's starting to, you know, he's starting to crack a little bit here. Like he's frustrated. Things aren't going well. And then, um, you know, then again, after the Steelers game, so to come out and really, you know, strongly say they didn't help James Hudson enough with chipping help. And, you know, I thought one of the most telling quotes was, hey, this is the NFL, you know, you've got to be able to make sideline adjustments, right? Um, I actually thought, you know, that in and, in and of itself could have been somewhat of a column where here you have your, your quarterback openly, publicly criticizing the head coach. But it all went into the hopper of Baker has, has these issues. And I've talked, you know, these have been long, extensive conversations with multiple people. Um, so, and, and there's, you know, there's, there's, there's more, there's more. And Baker has, I mean, in two national interviews with a current Hall of Fame quarterback, and uh, I mean, a future Hall of Fame, no, current, Kurt Warner, and with Alex Smith, he's talked about these internal issues that he's had to deal with that are tricky. And he even told Alex Smith before this game that he has had to fix relationships inside the building. So he, we know that there's stuff going on and he's, you know, he's let little snippets of it come out. So, you know, I wrote what I know. And what I know is that he hasn't been happy with the play calling according to sources. And it's to the point where Baker Mayfield and Kevin Stefanski, they have to work it out. I, I mean, and it's been told to me in no uncertain terms. If these guys kind of don't work through this and work this out, they can't run it back like this. They, they can't. They can't have Kevin calling the plays like this or using Baker like this and Baker 
succeeding or being happy with it. So I wrote it like that. I wrote it just basically like that. Now I took it to um, the part that I think may have set Baker off was the part where I said, you know, if they don't work it out, work it out, he will consider asking to be traded. Now I didn't say he will ask to be traded. I said, he will consider asking to be traded because here's another thing that that we have to remember in, in all of this. If he's going into his fifth year without an extension, it's probably going to be over after this year anyways. So, you know, why prolong the inevitable if you're not going to be together necessarily after this year, wouldn't it be best to perhaps maybe, you know, move on. And if they want to find another quarterback, start the process. Now, if Baker needs to need to find a new home, start the process now. So that was my whole premise. You two guys put your heads together, see if you can work together. And if you guys want to work together and the team wants to bring you back, then work through your issues, get it all out on the table and have a meeting of the minds so that everybody can move forward. So that's the genesis of the column. And as always, Mary Kay is volunteering her house for that meeting. If anybody wants to come, (laughs) everyone's always invited to meet at Mary Kay's. Dan, in this day and age, certainly this is nothing new where athletes have very powerful social media platforms and can speak directly to the fans at any moment they choose. They certainly have that right. Absolutely have that right. Um, But I do think there is always the, when you have a thoroughly reported story, like what Mary Kay is talking about here, there's the athlete's point of view that he or she is willing to express publicly as this is my point of view. But we also can acknowledge like, that's not the only point of view, right? That there are other point of views that when someone is reporting something, you're gathering all kinds of stuff together, right? But Dan, the reason we're talking about this is, I mean, Mary Kay is going to write what Mary Kay is going to write. What sort of took this next level is Baker responding in the way he did, What do you think about when athletes respond um, directly to their own audience about uh, a story like this or or any story that's out there? I I think it's an interesting dynamic that has developed over the last few years. I think athletes have a right to respond to what's written about them, whether that's in a press conference or on Twitter or Instagram or whatever. I think, you know, look, we all have that right to do that. Um, I also think athletes understand that Twitter is a crazy place and you're not changing anybody's mind. And if you do this, there's going to be a bunch of people that are going to say, yeah, go Baker. And, you know, you kind of have your followers are going to have your back on that. So it's kind of an easy place to do it. And again, it's his right and he can do that, but this has sort of been what Baker has done over the years. And I'm, I'm curious to kind of see, Again, like I said on Twitter, you're going to have sort of the same people who are like, yeah, go Baker. But I, I'm curious to see, like, in the real world, how people actually view this. Because, you know, in 2018, if he does this, it's different than him doing it now. Uh, so, so that's kind of what I'm interested in is how people respond to it. I, I mean, we're just in a world where athletes are going to respond to things like this. And again, like I said, they're allowed to do that. But now I- I'm, I'm curious to see how fans, again, outside of the Twitter Twitter world and in the real world respond to it. Yeah, I think it's hard because, again, there, there just is a difference between what the player says and the full contextual picture of the story. Ashley, I mean, I do think we want to get into does something like this, how does it affect anything in the relationship between the Browns and Baker Mayfield? Because, you know, I mean, I, it all goes into the pot. But I, I want to start first with, like, fans. 
Because there are moments like this where I feel for the fans because it's like, okay, well, here's here's a story thoroughly reported and written by somebody who covers the Cleveland Browns and her NFL team as comprehensively as anybody in the league does. Nobody knows more about covering the Cleveland Browns than Mary Kay Cabot. And then the quarterback's mad. And it's like, well, like, not that you have to pick sides, Ashley, right? But but I almost can we give... I'll tell you this. Let me, I said, I wasn't going to talk much. That was a lie. You guys knew that. So like on a day like this, I just will say, it's like, listen, sports is part of our existence. It's not the entire existence. This is like an anniversary of a divisive moment in American history that is happening. There's a little, there's stuff happening. People talking about that and commemorating that there's a level of angst. I think that is permeating the nation today, just because it's a little weird, no matter what you think of it. I've got like a foundation of angst. That's a great name for a band. I'm That's a good that name. <laughs> Podcast, honestly. So, so like I have that underneath this. And then like an Ohio State coach got fired today. It's, you know, it's no big deal, but it's like part of life. A guy lost his job. You got that a little bit. And then like this comes in. It's just like, oh, my God, isn't sports supposed to be fun? Right. When real life is blowing up, it's like, oh, let's turn to sports. And then this kind of stuff's happening. I feel for fans because it's angsty. It's angst on top of angst today. Ashley, solve it. <laughs> You always give me. I know. I'm so sick of this bit. I'm so sick of this bit. But I love it. I'm never gonna stop. I'll do my best. Um, <laughs> that's that's another podcast, by the way. Ashley solves yeah. it. Ashley solves it. We can do like an Ask Me Anything podcast where it's like the worst version of Hey Mary Kay. They ask me way harder <laughs> questions that I don't know the answer to. Um, wait, Doug, re- repeat that just very briefly because I want. I lost the, you, you talked a lot there and I lost the, the train of thought for a second. Also not the first time that has happened on a podcast. I would say you're a Browns fan. You see Baker Mayfield quote, tweet that. Yeah. How should you interpret that as a Browns fan? You love this team. You love this team. And it, what, what should you think? Look, the, you know, to, I don't want to spend too much time talking about the machinations and obviously Mary Kay is a great reporter. Um, the I get why Baker Mayfield like, you know, he has the right to respond and everything like that. Um, and I get why there's a segment of the fan base, I think, that regardless of what Baker Mayfield does on or off the field is going to support Baker Mayfield. And that's fine. If you're a huge Baker Mayfield fan, you have that right. Um, if I think there's another section of the fan base that is probably already disillusioned with things happening on the field and the way he performed this year. Um, And they have their own thoughts about it. And those two segments of the fan base are at odds with one another right now. And this, you know, you kind of saw this, I think over the last like two or so months really bubbling to the surface. I try not to spend too much time on Twitter looking at, at those kind of conversations, but it does come up because of the algorithm and things like that. Um, So I think overall it's like kind of these two sides going against each other. Um, And I get why that is, I guess for a segment of the fan base to hear him, to hear a story like that, it's not what you want to hear. If you're a huge Baker Mayfield fan, you don't want to hear that it's a possibility that he might not be here down the line, but just because you don't want to hear it doesn't mean there's not truth to it. And I think that's what has to always be in the backs of everyone's minds that just because you don't like something doesn't make it not true. You cannot like it. You have that right, but it doesn't mean that it's false. And Baker Mayfield cannot like something and can maybe disagree with something because, again, he has his own perspective. 
But other people might be saying, well, that's only a piece of the puzzle. I will say the thing that um, I think to myself, man, I don't think this is like this with every team, but it feels like there often are situations where there are two sides to Brown's fandom that you wind up having to pick a side of your own organization. It's like, what do you mean I have to pick a side? I'm on the side of win. What side is win as many games as possible? Scott, does it feel a little bit like we're there again? I mean, I think I made a, a Sashi and Hugh reference a, a couple podcasts ago, but sort of like the Baker should still be the quarterback or maybe it's time for Baker to end. It, it does feel like there are sort of two sides forming about that question or, or, or do you not feel that way? I mean, there's, there's been two sides since he arrived. I mean, there have been people who have had issues with him since he showed up on Thursday. Was that Thursday Night Football? And uh, unlocked all the, the beer coolers. I, yeah, and that's always been there. I mean, it's, this is Cleveland, and he's a quarterback. And I think no matter who the quarterback is, there's probably going to be people on both sides. So then, you know, when you have something like happen today, then that's just going to be magnified. Like, like Ashley said, it's – this is a really good uh, chance for people to kind of plant their stake and say which side they're on. Um, even though you're right, I think everybody ultimately wants the same thing. I, I do think that like in terms of what he tweeted though, um, there were so many other options he could have gone with, I think. And that's probably like the option that he went with really fueled people taking sides, like maybe something Something less gaslighty would have been, you know, uh, I, I don't agree with it. If people are saying this about me that they're not, they don't know me or, you know, just something to the fact that there are clearly people telling somebody something about me that I don't think is true. And instead of going straight to no sources, no facts, it's, you know, it's just another, another form of, uh, of fake news. And it's just unfortunate that that was the response and, everything that happened after is kind of build off that. I guess like for me too, I was thinking about this when I first saw it. It's like, we've talked so much this year about flag planning Baker and how we feel like he's been missing that on the field. Like, I think this was flag planning Baker. It was just on Twitter, not on the field. Mm. Like it's, it's this quick, it's reactive. It's, you know, it's combative almost. Um, And it, 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 to me, I kind of saw that parallel that we saw earlier in his career a lot more than we saw this season on the field. I, I, wa- I want to say too, uh, because, because I agree with Scott, if, if he wanted to respond, he certainly used very inflammatory words to respond to this. Right. And I think it's important to note a couple of things here. First of all, I think a lot of us who cover this team have suffered in the relationship with Baker because of things that we didn't say. And people can connect the dots however they want to with that. Things have been said about Baker that no one on this podcast have said, and a lot of other people who cover the Browns didn't say. And I think that hurt generally hurt our relationship with Baker from the start, like before it even started. Um, I also think sometimes there's better ways to handle things. And the way that, the media and NFL, like there's a wall now, right? There's a very clear wall. And it's not just because of COVID. It's all there's this wall has kind of been getting built. I'm just going to tell you right now, Baker Mayfield wanted to call Mary Kay. Like, first of all, he could get her number. And secondly, she'd pick up the phone. 
Like there's, you know, if he really had a problem, he, he could do it that way. And Mary Kay, I'm sure back, you know, if you would have written this about Vinny Testaverde in 1993, he'd have come up to you in the locker room and talked to you, or he'd have picked up the phone and called you. So, you know, Paul Hoynes has stories about this covering the Indians now guardians, like guys would come up to him in the locker room. If they wrote, if he wrote something they didn't like and they'd have it out. So Again, like I said, he's got a right to tweet and quote tweet and do what he wants, but there are also other ways to handle it. So I, I guess I kind of said a lot there, but that, no, that's, that's part of this too, I think. I think that's really good. And COVID has exacerbated that, has exacerbated the disconnect of that. And that, I mean, it's like anything. I mean, so much of the world is, it's less face-to-face and more digital and more on social media. And I think it makes the gaps larger. And I've seen, I mean, I'm sure you all you guys have seen this. I've seen disagreements between journalists and the people they cover and then they have it out and then the relationship is stronger afterward because you sort of go through a thing and it's like and when you talk out what happened you actually sort of explain both sides like well this is what i was doing this is how my job works well this is how i reacted to it this is how i think about this and then you come to an understanding and not that you aim for that that's not the goal the goal is not confrontation the, you know the goal is report and and serve the readers and listeners but it's just harder for that to happen, Dan, when, when every, you're not seeing this stuff face-to-face as much. Let's take a quick break on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. I want to get back to more about sort of what it's been like covering Baker Mayfield next. All right, back on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. And listen, Dan, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it's like we may as well just be upfront <laughs> about this stuff. I mean, you're talking about some of the stuff that happened with Tony Grossi and Baker Mayfield that has exacerbated the relationship. Some of the stuff that Tony said before Baker got here, um, the Jesus Tony moment that happened in a scrum, what Tony said when he was caught calling him a midget, or whatever that that situation that he was, you know, he was disciplined for that at his employer. I mean, we can dance around it, but it happened publicly and the people listening to this know that. What, so I'm not trying to call out Tony Grossi, but we know what we're talking about here. And I'm not saying he's the only one, but that's one of the high profile people. Dan, like, I, I'm not again, whatever, but it has been a little weird. Would you like you're generally the quarterback relationship since Baker got here has been a, maybe a little more on edge throughout this more than it probably needed to be or you would normally expect it to be for a guy who was a number one pick and frankly has won a decent number of games here. Yeah, I I mean, I I think a lot of that stuff hurt the relationship before it even started. And and then, you know, look, I think Baker discovered it's really easy to dunk on local media and get a bunch of people retweeting and and getting on your side. So I I think a lot of that stuff and, and not just I mean, not just Tony, there were you know, radio stunts and things like that. Like, oh, if the Browns draft Baker Mayfield, I'll do this. And oh yeah, you know Aaron I mean? Gold, like, did Aaron yeah, Goldhammer that was, eat that was Goldhammer, I think. Yeah. That was cool. That was cool. So um, like, and and that stuff's out there. And you know, I, I think it's very easy for these athletes to kind of take something like that and just paint the entire media core as like, well, this is how they all feel about me. You know, so so I think, yeah, I mean, that's something you've got to fight against. And when you're starting behind the eight ball already, it can be really difficult to, re- to repair that relationship, even if you didn't do anything. And I will say it's like it's been a long time since we talked to Mary Kay. This is happening to Mary Kay. <laughs> Baker got more personal about it than he needed to on Twitter that when Mary Kay writes something, it's not it's not personal. It's covering the team. It's talking to people. It's serving readers. It's writing facts and expertise. It's not personal. Baker, 
Baker made it personal to some degree, and he certainly did not need to do that. But Dan, what you're talking about, there have been times, I think, when Baker has felt it was personal, maybe from certain parts of the media, and then now you're spinning. Now you're spinning. Mary Kay, what's it like to cover a quarterback here? And how is Baker Mayfield fit into that? How much are, because quarterback's different. Quarterback's different. There's a lot of, you know, other positions you can, it's just walk up to a guy in the locker room and start chatting. How does a person like yourself or anybody covering the team develop a relationship with the starting quarterback in Cleveland? And how has that been different or the same with Baker Mayfield? Well, first, before I answer that, I just want to say when we go back to Baker Mayfield's uh, tweet here, uh, I just have to tell you guys this because uh, I had so much fun with this today. When he uh, (laughs) mentions, don't put words in my mouth so you can put food on your table. um, My son, who is about the same age as Baker Mayfield, uh, wanted to tweet out, I've got news for you, Baker. My mom hasn't put food on the table in 25 years. (laughs) God, I just wanted to come over for dinner now. Oh, you, Baker, your son. She can make her green bean casserole that she talked about on the Thanksgiving episode. (laughs) Oh, my God. Anyway, so, um, yeah, so that would have, I thought that would have been kind of funny. Um, But, and I, there's a tiny little bit of a backstory that I want to provide here because there is going to probably be a podcast coming soon uh, about this. So people often wonder why I might take so much more grief on Twitter than a lot of other people do. Well, we know that some of that is because female reporters uh, in general, female sports writers in general, get that grief. But I have this whole added layer. And again, uh, there should be a podcast on this. I don't know if it'll be next week or the week after. But there was a situation where a, a person, I blocked a person on Twitter and he got very, very angry with me about that and kind of went after me for a number of years. Okay. Like really went after me for a number of years and has a ton of Twitter followers. And, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll uh, preview, I'll give you a sneak preview of the podcast that's to come because it's reflog 18. Okay. And we, we eventually worked through it. I did not know that he was doing this to me until one of my daughter's friends came over one day and I was like, dang, why do I get so much grief? And he was like, oh, you don't know about Reflog 18? I'm like, no, who's Reflog? I'm like, no, what's that? And he was like, oh, this guy kills you. I mean, he just kills you on Twitter. And I'm like, oh, who knew? Well, I had blocked him, you know, years before that. Now, Scott Patsko, you know him, you've written about him. So you can address that uh, after this. But um, but I didn't know this was going on. And he he was just like beating me up. So ultimately, when I figured out what the deal was with that, you know, we kind of worked through it. We had a conversation and, and we talked about it. And, um, and actually, we've been in a little bit of contact today. And I agreed to go on his podcast. And hopefully, uh, we can talk a little bit about how people can actually work things out, uh, you know, in, a, in such a manner that you can arrive at in a, in a better place. And so... That's the aim. That's the goal. Hopefully it'll work out that way. But I ha- there's an army of refloggers that still just come after me all the time. And he's got 350,000 followers. So it's, you know, it's a, it's a humongous following. And um, so I, you know, I'm still 
you know, suffering from, uh, you know, some of that. So, so that's some of the backstory, but in terms of Baker Mayfield, um, you know, I regret that I never really got an opportunity to get to know him one-on-one because I have a feeling that like, if he would have tried to get to know any of us that he, you know, probably would have liked some of us. I mean, like, you know, I, I think that there are, um, a bunch of really cool people in, in Cleveland Brown that cover the Browns. And, uh, you know, th- I think it would have been nice if we could have developed a better rapport and a better relationship with Baker May- Mayfield, but we were not, we never got that chance. I mean, none of us really, are, some of, I, I think there's maybe one or two people uh, that got that chance. I know that like Jake Trotter came in uh, having covered Baker Mayfield at Oklahoma. So they have a pretty good relationship, but for the most part, and Dan, you can speak to this, Scott, you can speak to this too. And Ashley, you're kind of new on the beat, but um, I mean, you guys probably agree with me, don't you? That like, we just don't have, you know, like a, a good working relationship with Baker from like a one-on-one standpoint. Right. Would you guys agree with that? Yeah. I mean, I, I guess let's just so people can kind of understand how it works. And I'm talking pre COVID, you know, post COVID is like completely different, but in normal times, you know, we had 45 minutes of open locker room a day. Um, you know, you can request people during training camp and do one-on-one interviews with them and stuff like that. But the quarterback is always different. It's just the way it is. The quarterback is kind of in the realm of the head coach and the realm of the, it's just different. Like I could go, I could go to Brown's PR and request any player I wanted and pretty good chance that, that they get him. Or I'd go up to his locker when we were in the locker room, I could talk to him. Quarterback is different because everybody wants a piece of the quarterback. So he's required to talk once a week. And then beyond that, it's kind of up to him what he wants to do. And if you want to do a one-on-one with him during training camp, that's complicated because if you do want, everybody else wants one. So it's just a different position and it's a harder, it's a harder person to develop that relationship with in traditional settings. And I was just going to say real quick, I, I don't even like when we were in the locker room, uh, Baker's not a person who would be in there a lot. Anyways, he was in there when he had to talk. And I, I mean, there was a couple before that when I got on the beat that I don't, I don't know if it was any different, but uh, it is like Dan said, is there's a lot of guys who are always in the locker room when the media would be in there. Quarterback isn't necessarily that guy. Um, so. And, and I can tell you, I've been in a, I haven't been in a, a ton of other locker rooms. I've been in other locker rooms and it's not all that different of a dynamic, you know, like when, when I was in the Steelers locker room during a week, once I didn't see any other quarterbacks. Um, I've, I've been in post-game locker rooms and, you know, the quarterback would come in after his press conference, but you generally didn't see like media milling around to talk to him. Now it, it might be different guy to guy, but I think that's generally how it is. And, and, you know, and I, I tried in the beginning and I, you know, I talked to Lincoln Riley and, you know, I tried to talk to Baker about, hey, I talked to Lincoln and here's what he said. I think some of us tried to develop a little bit of a rapport with him and maybe some people made inroads. And then I think, um, you know, one of the things that happened was somewhere along the line. I mean, 2019 was such a stressful season on everybody, you know, just the end of 2018, the 2019, it, the whole time Baker has been here, it's been it's been, you know, dysfunction and drama really until, um, you know, until last year, last year, it got so much better, but his whole first two years, I mean, it was insane and it was crazy and he's had a lot on his plate, 
But I, but I, I want to say this because if you see these tweets and you see all these things that people are saying, um, you know, you might think that I don't like him as a person, but that's not true at all. I mean, I actually, there are a lot of things about his personality that I like. And I've been thinking about this a lot lately. Sometimes I think like, you know, Baker, if, if he ever took the time to get to know me, I think he would see that I share some of the same qualities uh, that he has in terms of, you know, just spunkiness and, you know, and, and flag planting and all that. If I was a quarterback, I would be planting my flag. I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm tough. It's like, go big or go home. I, I like to make an impact. I like to, uh, I like to be really aggressive on the job. And, um, so I think that, uh, you know, it's funny. I was thinking, you know, if he took the time to get to know some of us and not just me, I think he would have um, enjoyed the media relationship a little bit better. And maybe we'll get a chance to do that down the road, but maybe not after this. I mean, I don't, I, I've raised three children who are now in their twenties. So this thing that went on with Baker today, like I have that going on in my life pretty much every day. <laughs> like, <laughs> I live conflict with 20 year olds, right? I'm, I'm built for conflict with, with 20 year olds. So it doesn't, you know, I mean, we have to remember that these guys are, they're young and they're human. And he's been through a lot. He's been through a lot this season. And I also want to say this, I've tried really hard over the past couple of months, and you can find this because it's in print. I've tried really hard to write and to show that Baker's had a lot on his plate this season, that he has been injured, that he hasn't had a receiving core that is performing the way anybody thought it would that he hasn't had tackles that have been healthy and performing the way that they should, that perhaps the play calling or the scheme hasn't always favored him. And even in the column that we are talking about right now, I've got all of that in there. I've got all of that in there. I've really tried to be fair and balanced and to show that Baker Mayfield hasn't had it easy this season. And I've actually at times been accused of taking his side too much in that regard. So you walk a fine line as a beat writer. It's a minefield and it's a jungle out there. I mean, you've got to, you know, you've got agents and you've got the front office and you've got the coaching staff and you've got the players. And I mean, it, it's not easy to navigate uh, all the things that you have to do, especially if you want to do the job uh, in the way that I do it. I, I'm not going to back down and I'm not going to shy away from things. I, I don't. I'm not, I'm not afraid of controversy. If I see something happening and it can inform how something can get better, then I'm not going to be afraid of it. I am not playing scared. Never have, never will. Everybody, every, every, most people that know me know that about me. Uh, I, I'm going to do the job the way that I think the job needs to be done. And when I end up in a firestorm like I'm in today, I get through the firestorm and I put my next foot forward and I do the job the next day to the best of, of my ability. And, you know, I, I stand by what I wrote. I mean, I really feel, you know, if you really read what I wrote, here's another thing that happens and I'm talking too much, sorry, but this is another thing that happens when you write the first column, you know, it's reasonable. It's not outlandish. I tried to be fair. I, I didn't throw Baker under the bus. I didn't throw Kevin under the bus. I just said, these two guys need to work through these issues in the event that they have to coexist next season, right? What's so bad about that? 
what happens then is it gets aggregated and it's the aggregation that seems to always get me in trouble. Right. When, you know, Barstool picked it up today. I don't really know what Barstool wrote, but I mean, I think they picked up on the trade thing, which I think was sort of the hot button issue out of this, where I said, if these things don't get worked out, we talked about that, that he would consider asking for a trade. That was the thing uh, that basically blew up, but it's usually, uh, and quite often people that have an issue with what you wrote, didn't read the story. Not necessarily Baker. I don't know if he read the column or not. I have no idea if he read the column. I have a feeling that if he actually read the column and really like looked at it and broke it down, that he might not feel that it was as bad as he seems to think it is right now. Um, but most of the people I have found on Twitter that just go off on you, they're reacting to a tweet or a retweet, not the actual critically thought out, beautifully written, Oh. <laughs> yeah, you know, I was going to say, like, I had a couple of friends send me, like, in terms of aggregation, like, Instagram posts from, I don't even remember what blogs they were from, with, like, the, it was the trade thing. You, you're exactly right. It was, that was, like, the hot button thing from that column. And I'm like, hold on. I'm like, let me, I send them the link and I'm like, just read the full thing and get what she's saying. <laughs> like the, you're not going to capture it all in an Instagram caption. And I think that's like a really good lesson in all of this. It's not to turn it too much into like a media literacy class, but it, if you see a tweet, if you see something on Instagram, like I would just encourage everyone to go and actually read to get the full context, find the actual story. Lost can, art. Can, can we also, can we also agree to at least to some extent here that, like Twitter is not real life. No. Like we do, we spend a lot of time on Twitter, right? Cause it's our jobs and we kind of obsess over it. And like, it can feel like, it can feel like everything that happens on Twitter is like, oh my God, this is everywhere. But then you kind of go somewhere and you talk to somebody like in your family who isn't on Twitter or checks Twitter once a week. <laughs> and it's like they have no idea what's going on or they read Mary Kay's story on cleveland.com or in the paper and it's was perfectly clear to them what she was saying. It, you know, I I do think it's important too in moments like this because you know, Baker has so many followers and it could just feel like the whole world is piling on like Twitter is actually a very small sample size of of what people think. Mm -hmm. um, and and I think that's always kind of important to keep in mind. Well, and kind of like you were saying before, too, it also serves as a sort of echo chamber in a lot of ways. Like most people who follow Baker Mayfield are going to agree with Baker Mayfield on like probably 90% of what he has to say. They're likely fans of his um, or they're not going to say anything. And I think that's true for just about, you know, most, most people, if you have a Twitter account, you probably follow people you like or things you're interested in and things like that. So I, in regards to what Dan is saying, I do think because of that and because of co complex things like algorithms and things like that, it makes piling on easier in a lot of instances, easier than it should be. I, I mean, there, there's a guy on Twitter that writes poems about Baker Mayfield. <laughs> like, like that guy, that guy's not going to be like, oh man, Mary Kay sure nailed far. it with this one. Of course he's not going to like, of course he's going to be like, go Baker, like no matter what. Okay. I was going to say too long didn't read was created because of Twitter. Yeah. Right? So there you are. Exactly. I mean, to give you a small example, uh, I, I had a, a firestorm issue last year with Cam Hayward. Some of you guys might remember that. Uh, he 
you know, he said at a press conference, and I can't remember exactly how he said it, but he said, you know, we're going to make Baker, you know, we want to make Baker feel that injury on Sunday when we play him. And it was a rib injury. And so I, you know, I wrote it just like that. I, you know, I wrote it verbatim and, um, and then during, um, I think it was during the game, you know, Cam Hayward sacked, I think he sacked Baker and whatever. And I, I might've said something like Cam Hayward, who, you know, vowed to make Baker feel his rib injury, which I mean, back in the day, if, if we were talking about, you know, Turkey Jones and, you know, whatever, like old school people, that would have been nothing. I mean, that would have been like child's play to say something like that. It wouldn't have been any big deal whatsoever. Um, but, but Cam Hayward came out and said, I never said that. I did not say that. Okay. And Cam Hayward is one of the greatest guys you could ever meet on the face of the earth, just like salt of the earth guy. And, um, and so it was a very, that was a very difficult day for me because the same thing happened. Everybody came after me and piled on to me. And, um, and he actually did say that. So, um, but here, this is another example of how, and this should be on our feelings pod, our emotions pod. How can we fix this Ashley pod? <laughs> I actually, because of the absolutely great PR director, Bert Loughton of the Pittsburgh Steelers, who is one of the best in the business. He put me on the phone with Cam Hayward and I had just a great conversation with Cam Hayward. And you know what? We had a meeting of the minds and we we had such a great conversation to the point where Cam agreed to some kind time, come on and do a podcast with me and, you know, talk about how you can work through these issues. And he deleted his tweet. He apologized for, you know, what, how that happened. And we just, we had a great talk. And I really hope that some, someday, I mean, he's so good in the, in the community and his wife is from here. She's from North Olmstead. And, and, you know, someday I would like to talk to Cam about that, how, about how you actually can work through things because the whole crux again of the issue of the column that I wrote was okay Baker maybe you feel this way go talk to Kevin and you guys lay all really lay all your cards out on the table and and figure this out and and really talk about it I talked to a head coach in the NFL today and he said the NFL the the head coach is the last person to know anything nobody will tell you the truth nobody will tell you what's going on and I thought that was so interesting. So go in and talk to, to Kevin and tell him how you really feel. And then you guys lay the foundation for, can you make this work together somehow, some way? Hey, am I your guy? Kevin, am I, your, am I really your guy? Do you believe in me? Do you believe that I can hit the deep ball? Do you believe that I can function from within the pocket? Do you think I have to have 13 personnel because I can't do whatever? Did you call the game the way that you did because I was injured? Do you think I'm going to be better without the harness? Do you not think I'm going to be better without the harness? Lay it all out on the table. Come on, talk it out. And then you guys figure out, is there a path forward for you? And if there is, by all means, go for it. Figure it out. Get some better receivers. Make sure your tackles are how you want them to be. Kevin, you know, figure out if you need to, you know, whatever. Bring in, bring in somebody to help with play calling if, if that's what you guys all decide. But however you do it, work through it, work it out, and then then you know how to move forward. And, and I think that Cam Hayward story um, reiterates what I said earlier. Like, 
we'll pick up a phone call from anybody in that locker room. If Chris Blewett called me right now, I'd jump off the pot and I'd talk to him. <laughs> right. Like, you know, so, so there's ways there, there's, there's ways if you don't like something that's written or something that's said that, that you can get a hold of a reporter and say, even if you want to just talk off the record, like there's ways to do that. So my headphones conked out for like 12 <laughs> minutes there and I couldn't hear anything. You've been really quiet. I you knew you had to be wrong. Look so happy and educate <laughs> and smart and just like ready to roll. And I am your, head, your headphones really did stop working. Then. Yeah, I'm, I'm re- reassessing. I'm reassessing my place in the world because I'm sure that was a scintillating discussion that nobody needed me for. So I, there's that. I don't know what you said. So the rest of the podcast, <laughs> if. If you just say, Doug, we already talked about that. I apologize. I'll just cut that part out. Let's take one. Go ahead. It's the whole Cam Hayward story and all that. You would have cut. Cam Hayward's in my book. I love Cam Hayward. I came in for like, and that's the Cam Hayward story. (laughs) I was like, oh. That was like the last, the first thing I heard for 12 minutes. All right, quick break. We'll be back. Wrap this up on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Hope some of you guys listen to Browns Insiders. We know you are. We know you are. We know you consume the entire package of things that uh, we present for our Browns coverage at cleveland.com. If you want to be a Browns insider, go to cleveland.com slash Browns. You can figure out a way to sign up there. We certainly would recommend it if you are really interested in this team. Did did you guys talk about what the effect of Baker's tweet may or may not be on anything else related to his, his career? No. Okay. So let's, let's finish up with that then. And unless there's something else you want to say, Scott, does it matter? Right. It's a little firestorm today. You know, Baker's not happy. You know, Mary Kay has to deal with some of the blowback. But, you know, that's unfor- that's part of the business sometimes. Not even unfortunately. We understand that. Like, does it does it matter in the big picture when it comes to Baker Mayfield being the quarterback of the Cleveland Browns? Do you think, Scott? Uh, no, unless as Mary Kay uh, alluded to Kevin Stefanski was totally in the dark about how Baker Mayfield feels in this sparks some sort of conversation or, you know, fight. I don't know. Uh, just some sort of meeting that uh, Kevin Stefanski didn't want to have with his quarterback. That's the only way I think it, it impacts. And I, I do think that it was probably, he had to know his, if his quarterback was upset. So I don't think this is going to have any bearing on, on what happens from, from here on out. And part of that is because it's obviously not the first time Baker has been loud on, on Twitter or, or Instagram. Ashley, what do you think? Yeah, I'm I'm with Scott on this. I don't think it's going to have much bearing ultimately in his future in Cleveland or or anything like that. But you know, I keep thinking about and obviously we don't know exactly what Baker Mayfield took issue with exactly. Like I'm not going to put words in his mouth, but the best advice I ever got as a journalist is to listen with your eyes for a lot of things. Your eyes will tell you a lot. And like, yeah, sources are important and talking to people is important. But a lot of times you figure out the questions to ask by listening with your eyes. And if you watch the Browns this year, I think it's fair to say that this was not functioning, especially in the passing game. We talk about it at least once a day on this very podcast. So I had to slip it in there once. Um, So ultimately I don't know that anything was that surprising, like with him being upset or with the, you know, Mary Kay's, the the column, ultimately, like it wasn't anything 
super shocking if you have been even half paying attention, I think. So that's also a part of it, why I don't think ultimately it's going to be a big deal in determining his future, because the Browns already know all of this, I think. Dan, do you think there is an effect slash did we learn anything more about the situation by Baker tweeting that? Even if it doesn't change anything, does how much does it inform our view of all this? I don't think we learned anything. And I, I think sort of what you were getting that there a little bit, Ashley, was like maybe the decision's been made, right? Baker, maybe, maybe we kind of know where this is going. I do think, though, I don't think this is like a deciding factor or this is like a, oh, my God, he tweeted something. Now we have to move on. But I do think if, if they're looking to move on and they're, they're putting the list of pros and cons together, and one of the cons is like, hey, we just want our quarterback to be a grown-up. You know, I, I, think, I think that does play a role. You know, do you want your quarterback being this guy that goes on Twitter and quote tweets? I mean, that's what John Dorsey loved. Right? He loved that attitude. Is that what Kevin Stefanski and Andrew Barry want their quarterback to be? Who, like I said, is sort of your the two faces of your franchise during the season. The two guys you hear from the most are your head coach and your quarterback. I, I, so I do think that's, I don't think that's the deciding factor. The deciding factor is, can he play? But I, I do think it's, you know, we talk about Derek Carr all the time, right? Like Derek Carr has had like four times this year where he's just kind of stood in front of the media and just been an absolute grown up and like a stud in handling certain situations. I, I do think that's part of the evaluation and it, it's magnified when he's not playing what do you think, Mary Kay? What, what did you learn from this? What, what do you think it means? Well, it's funny. As we are taping this podcast um, here, we're all in our homes on Zoom, and uh, my husband just turned on ESPN, and I just saw Baker's quote tweet on ESPN. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, talk about uh, being in the eye of the storm. Um, you know what? Here, here is my, here's my takeaway from this. I think we all can see and we know that there was some kind of a disconnect between uh, Baker and, and what was going on with Kevin Stefanski. And, and how, what, how do we know that? Because he publicly came out and, and was critical of Kevin Stefanski on two occasions. So to, to think that that is just, you know, mythical, uh, I don't think anybody can, can really embrace that. So um, I know that this is going on. I know this is, you know, I know that this is how he has felt. And, um, and I really do believe that if there is any way that these guys are going to be able to work together next year, that they're going to have to come up with a plan that works for both of them. And like I wrote in the column, I don't even know for sure if the conclusion is going to be he's our starting quarterback for 2022. We don't know that yet. I mean, it might turn out that way and maybe, you know, maybe they're heading into the off season thinking 100% that that's going to be the case. But if that is going to be the case, then they 100% have to, to work through these issues because I think, and maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but I think we can all agree on this pod that what we saw this year, it's, it's not going to work again and something's got to give. So I stand by that, and, uh, and I, I feel very strongly about it. Losing is tough on everybody. Not playing the way you want to play is tough on everybody. That's the root of all this stuff. It builds the frustration. It builds everything else. If you can win, if you think you can win, you'll 
figure anything out, right? It's you know, nobody has to be best friends in order to win, um, but they have to figure out what's the best way for the Browns to win. And in the end, all that matters. But every little every little log goes on the fireplace. Does anybody want to say anything about the game? I want to know what Ashley. I want to know what Ashley's prediction was. Oh, I told you ahead of time. Weren't you listening? That's very rude. Uh, I'm sorry. Maybe I I must have missed it. I mean, what I I meant to say is, Ashley, you had a great prediction. Why don't you tell everyone what it was? Yeah, thank you for that wonderful intro, Dan. I was my bold prediction was going to be because we just talked to him today. Was Greg Newsom gets his first career interception against? the Bengals. And he has the most pass breakups on the team. That was my reasoning. He is due for one. And maybe, maybe Mary Kay has transferred her ESP abilities to me for the feeling of when a player is going to get an interception. I'm, I'm liking Greg Newsom's chance today or Saturday, Sunday. I don't know what day it is, guys. It's been a long <laughs> two months for me starting this job. <laughs> Ellis, Ellis is down in Carolina being like, I got out just in time, baby. <laughs> I, I don't know. I saw an Ellis tweet this year about Cam Irving starting at left tackle, and I wanted to quote tweet it and said, you can and say you could never get away from this, Ellis. <laughs> By the way, can I, can I add this real quick? Some former Browns quarterbacks have chimed in, and I would just like to say the reason Brandon you guys... Whedon, Brandon Whedon, We're no, no, no vagueness today. Well, to, to, Sean, to Sean Kaiser, too. And on, let oh, me also say that. that Mary Kay had Ooh. a lot of very nice things to say about Sean Kaiser. You guys are not quarterbacks in Cleveland anymore because of anything Mary Kay wrote. Just, just go, to your pro, go to your pro football reference. Go to your pro football reference pages. And you'll see why you didn't last in Cleveland. Dan from the top rope on that one. <laughs> what Dan and you guys, I mean, I, I was so complimentary of Deshaun Kaiser. I wrote, I talked to family members. I did a nice feature story on him. Never wrote anything negative about Deshaun Kaiser. So if he's piling on, uh, then I'm very disappointed in that because I don't deserve that from him in any stretch of the imagination. And I'm going to answer the Brandon Whedon thing here right now, really quickly too. And that is, I don't ever really recall ripping Brandon Whedon. What I do recall about the Brandon Whedon era is that I felt like Colt McCoy should not have been benched because of the controversy involving uh, his father uh, saying that, telling me that he should not have been put back into the football game with a concussion. And the organization back then, completely different people, held that against Colt McCoy. And he really never got a chance after that, even though he was uh, in the middle of a lockout holding Camp Colt McCoy's, you know, Camp McCoy's and trying to get everybody ready for the season. And he just never really got an opportunity after that. And I didn't think that was fair to him. And, you know, so I, I, I did, you know, support that, that he should have gotten a chance to, uh, to show what he could do with this football team. And Brandon didn't like that. And, uh, you know, but I know, I don't think I ever wrote anything about Brandon. I'd have to go back and look, but I, I don't think that, that I did. And Deshaun, you know, I, I went out of my way to, um, to be, to be good to Brandon. I mean, to be good to Deshaun Kaiser. And so if, if he's doing that to me, then, um, then I'm very disappointed in you, Deshaun, cause I don't deserve that from you. I, I, I mean, I sat next to you every day during the Deshaun Kaiser own 16 year. And yeah, you yeah, were yeah. like yeah. his biggest, you were like the biggest Deshaun Kaiser supporter in that room. Yeah. He wouldn't even, he wouldn't even start his press conference until I was standing right there. You remember that, Dan, he wouldn't start the press conference until I was there because, you know, he wanted to make sure that I had an opportunity to ask him questions and, and all that kind of stuff. So no, I had a good relationship with him. And if he's piling on right now, 
then I'm going to call his dad and he's going to have to get grounded for a few weeks. <laughs> oh, Mary Kay. <laughs> I, I think I stopped following Deshaun Kaiser because all he tweets about is NFTs. And, mm-hmm. I, and you don't know what those are. I don't know what they are. Yesterday. Um, yeah, he just, for context, he just, he quote tweeted Brandon Whedon and tweeted preach. Twitter doesn't lend itself to being uh, a, a nuance. Good... There's yeah. no nuance on Twitter. When you get a hold of him, can you ask him what an NFT is? <laughs> yes. Okay. Thank you. Does, is there anything? Can we give any watching guide advice to any Browns fan who does flip this game on on Sunday? Any anything? Watch for this. Maybe this person's going to play. Hey, maybe this is a little window of the future. Scott's got something. Yeah, David Njoku, big game. The Bengals can't cover tight ends. Um, last game was really weird. That was like one of the only games where receivers actually led the Browns receiving. But that was just a weird game overall. They kept starting drives on the Bengals territory. I think uh, David Njoku proves to Dan that he can be a dominating <laughs> tight end in this game. Fair enough. I, I don't know. I wish Joe Burrow were playing. Um, and I don't know who's playing among that receiving core. But I, I do kind of want to see like Greg Newsome get to go against Jamar Chase or something. I, like, I don't know who's going to play and who's not. But there's some matchups I'd like to see. You know what's going to happen, you guys? The 26 quarterbacks on that shirt. <laughs> they're all gonna tweet they're all gonna quote tweet Brandon Whedon all in a row one after the other oh my goodness that would actually be really impressive planning at that point I think it would have to end with you quote tweeting the final one and just you know ending this ending the circle there all right everybody go back to your lives thanks you guys for listening to this angsty angsty Woo, baby it's like, oh, let's, let's let the football season end so everybody can feel good about their lives again. Um, we appreciate you guys making Orange Brown Talk podcast part of your life. We hope that was informative a little bit. I think behind the scenes, I mean, like, you know, it's not a journalism podcast, a football podcast. Every now and then dipping behind the scenes a little bit, I think is helpful to helping you guys sort of understand how all this stuff works. So for Dan Lobby, Scott Pascoe, and Ashley Bastock, I'm Doug Lamarice. And I left out Mary Kay Cabot because it starts and ends with Mary Kay Cabot. We're all privileged to work with her. She is one of the defining people at cleveland.com. She's one of the best people uh, who does this job in the entire NFL. And we are grateful to have her uh, on this podcast and leading our team every single day. So Mary Kay, thank you for being Mary Kay. And thanks to you guys for listening to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast.